and welcome to the Pre-Raphaelite podcast brought to you by the Pre-Raphaelite Society. I'm Esther and I'm here today with uh, Mary Arsenu. Hello, Mary. How are you? Hello. So wonderful to be with you. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you here as a guest. So for those of you who might not know her, though that would be <laughs> kind of hard. So Professor Arsenu is a Christina Rossetti scholar who works in the English department at University of Ottawa, Canada. Um, she has published several articles and book chapters, uh, which we won't have time to say them all here today, but she's also the author of Recovering Christina Rossetti, Female Community and International Poetics by Macmillan in 2004, published by Macmillan. And has she has co-edited with Lorraine Koistra and Anthony Harrison, The Culture of Christina Rossetti, uh, which was published in 1999. But most importantly, uh, for us today, at least, um, she is the, the originator of the Christina Versace in Music project, and, and which will provide, of course, the, the link to this, this fascinating project in our podcast description. And you can also follow them on Twitter. So go check it out if you haven't already. And so lovely to have you here, Mary, to talk, uh, to tell us more about this beautiful project um thank you very much for inviting me <laughs> a pleasure so well this fascinating project um I don't know well I I could say that the the general aims of the project but maybe it's better if you do it yourself to have your own voice to tell us yourself what this is all about what is the aim yeah. or how it all started yeah you know that's a fascinating question because you know, I've, I've been working on Christina Rossetti since my PhD days. I did my dissertation on Rossetti and never thought about music back in those days. I always thought of Pre-Raphaelitism as an inter-art movement, but between the visual arts and the literary arts and the music part of it really didn't present itself to my attention early on in my research career. Um, and you know, life happens. And <laughs> I have three kids and they sing. And <laughs> they had singing lessons and they're singing in choirs. And every year there was a fascinating Christina Rossetti musical setting in their repertoire. And I thought, how many of these are there? <laughs> and and so I started searching for them. And, and I kind of, you know, it brought me up short. And I thought there might be, you know, two or 300 of these. We've already collected 2,000 musical settings wow. of Christina well, yeah. it's, it's a much, much bigger, richer, deeper field mm -hmm. than I was expecting to find. And it hadn't really been explored yet. And it just, and the thing that struck me is that very few people read books of poetry these days. Most people encounter poetry through song, That's you know? Funny. It is true. And and much of what we know of Christina Rossetti, her greatest fame is energized out into the larger world by music. You think about In the Bleak Midwinter. You know, did many people read it in the original periodical in which it was published? Probably not. But you you see it on Peaky Blinders and Harry yeah. Potter, <laughs> The Crown. It's it is a really important song. And and and. 
And it's now, it's no longer identifiably linked to Christina Rossetti every time it appears in popular mm-hmm. culture, you know, and and it, it has been performed by leading artists and really contemporary artists, you know. Um, one of our research assistants, Emily McConkie, did a podcast about In the Bleak Midwinter, and she's finding, you know, Jacob Collier's recorded, James Blake has recorded it, you know, Annie Lennox, James Taylor. It's just, it's it's everywhere. And I find that fascinating, that, that Rossetti's poetic legacy and her international reach has really been energized by musical settings. Yeah. And, and a ton of translations happen because they're motivated by a musical setting. She's been translated into German, Italian, Catalan, Icelandic, Mandarin, Japanese, Farsi. You know, it's, it's, she's everywhere. And, and I find that fascinating. And it was, it was unexpected to find what her international reach has really become through music. Yeah. Yes, I think it's, uh, I was actually wondering about that. I wanted to ask you about about precisely what you just said about uh, musical adaptations into different languages. So yeah. it's like she's, yeah, so Rosetti's her poetry is everywhere, even though many people don't even know it's, it, it all started with a poem, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah, and some of her poems have been set over and over and over. Like the first mm-hmm. poem set is When I'm Dead, My Dearest. And it was mm-hmm. set by a female composer. And that's another oh. element in this research. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, in the 19th century, it was assumed that women were not intellectually capable mm-hmm. of composing music and composing sophisticated music. But this setting was by Alice Mary Smith, who was probably the first female composer to have a symphony she'd composed publicly for, performed by a full orchestra, wow. which is a big thing. Yeah, and, impressive, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And Maura Ives, who has created a, a very complete bibliography of musical settings up to the year 1900, when you look at the statistics of, of that collection, what you realize is that 40% of the settings are by female composers up to 1900, which is surprising because we yeah. really thought that that composition was, was a male domain and it was not, it was changing. And it's opened cultural doors too. Like, um, so, so one setting of her, of, of, her works called Six Sorrow Songs was composed by Samuel Coleridge Taylor, who was the child of an English mother and an African father from Sierra Leone. And he is the first composer of color to have traveled to the United States, invited to dine at the White House, conducts a, a symphony of white musicians. And he made three trips to, to, the, to the United States he really, really did break cultural barriers. And the fascinating thing is that six sorrow songs, I didn't know this until I supervised a master's in musicology thesis by Saida Rajabzadeh. And what she discovered, she was reading, um, because Samuel Coleridge Taylor's eyes 
were opened to race relations in the United States. <laughs> and he, he was reading, and my, my, my thesis student, Saida, was reading to W.E.B. Du Bois's work about um, sorrow songs. And sorrow songs is a term for songs in Africa, slave songs, um, wow. and things like Yeah. And so I had just assumed that sorrow songs was a reference to the kind of sadness that's written mm -hmm. into a lot of Rosetti yeah. poems, but it's not. And and Saida, who's who's a wonderful, you know, musicologist, looked at the songs and discovered that there's all kinds of of African musical gestures mapped into these art songs. So drum calls, polyrhythms, weak beat accents. And very recently, rising opera star Elizabeth Llewellyn has recorded these in an album called Heart and Hereafter, and it has been winning prizes. And so it's 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 really, it's a breakout performance for Samuel mm -hmm. Coleridge. Yeah, and he, he wrote, um, Hiawatha's Wedding Feast, I think, and it sold over 100,000 copies. He was a very successful, successful composer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm I'm telling this stuff with such enthusiasm because I knew nothing about it before yeah, the music. Yeah. So you know, you're I, un uncovering lots of things you never expected. You feel like kind of like an archaeologist kind of like finding all these things. And that's so exciting to realize, you know, after after spending, you know, like almost 30 years researching Christina Rossetti, mm -hmm. to realize that there's so much important and impressive stuff out there that has never, ever made its appearance to me before. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I don't know, uh, so you were yourself uh christina Rossetti scholar so you mm -hmm. you said that you at first didn't know anything about music so what was it or what was the first thing that first kind of drew you to that like how well, did you did yeah. find out about well you know it's interesting because my my scholarly career has been centered on christina Rossetti, but i brought all kinds of different approaches to mm -hmm. her yeah. Um, you know, I began with studying Tractarian poetics, analogy and reserve. Um, and and then I looked at narrative medicine. There's because she she nearly died of Graves disease and they didn't they didn't know what Graves disease was back then. It is mm -hmm. autoimmune hyperthyroidism. And there was no they had no idea what the thyroid did. They thought it was a heart condition <laughs> the, and, and, and they had no model for autoimmune diseases. And yet she writes into her poetry all kinds of metaphors for self-attack. And, and so I, I think that's fascinating. And she had excellent medical care. The Queen's physicians visited her house daily. And, and it's um, so, and, and I started teaching narrative medicine at the, at the medical school here at the University of Ottawa, <laughs> you know? So it's like these different approaches were really, really valid for Christina Rossetti. And, and I just, you know, developed kind of an open-mindedness to new mm -hmm. approaches. And so when I started hearing all these songs that are settings of Christina Rossetti, I thought, I should look into this. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> yeah, good that you did. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. yeah. But it's possible. Yeah, it's 
kind of yeah mind blowing to know that yeah, yeah. That in re in recent poetry we can find so many different perspectives and she brings so much into it yeah yeah and some of them she's not really aware of like she mm. doesn't know she's writing metaphors of autoimmunity you know yeah. she you know self stabbing self with keen lackfitty knife you know that's self attack and mm -hmm. she <laughs> I have kind of a family connection here um, in that <laughs> my family has Graves disease and mm. we went to her endocrinologist and he said, okay, I've, I've, I've checked all this, you know, her numbers are high, not the highest I've ever seen, but yes, he, he says it's Graves disease. And we just turned to each other and nodded. And, and the endocrinologist says, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you know about this? And, And it's and it's in part because I've been studying Christina Rossetti. And one of the fascinating things about it is that we we understand that the unconscious mind can be a source of metaphor in a creative individual. Yeah. Can unconscious physiological processes be a source mm. of metaphor? And Christina Rossetti's history suggests that it is possible. So that's that's kind of a breakout as well. Mm -hmm. So, so we we wrote an article about Christina Rossetti's Graves' disease, and the weird thing is that I keep getting invited to present at medical conferences. <laughs> I'm not a medical doctor, <laughs> but it, it is fascinating to have this this well documented case mm -hmm. where you know we know we know what her diagnosis was. We know we we have all of her writings. And, and we can find the metaphors that seem to point really at her illness. Yeah, and I think that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's also fascinating kind of to see how poetry can bring lots of people from different fields together because it combines everything. It can speak to everyone, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and Goblin Market, her most famous poem, mm -hmm. has has a lot of imagery that points towards, you know, identity and division. Yes. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. and and that's those are really kind of and and that was a very early poem, but they are kind of expressions of autoimmune disease, and 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 Laura recovers when she and Lizzie reunite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that's fascinating. I really do. Yeah, and and a lot of Rossetti's prose has metaphors of of identity and division. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's it, it's it's really there. Once you start looking for it, it it's everywhere. Kind you, of. You think, Boy, how, did I, how did I not see this before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm really enjoying this. And, you know, to talk a little bit about Goblin Market, I mean, you know, there's music. The very first setting was by an Anglo-Spanish composer named Emmanuel Aguilar. I don't know if you've ever heard mm -hmm. of him. Yeah. Yeah. His sister, Grace. Well, well, because of, because of his uh, musical setting. Because I of else. <laughs> and Christina Rossetti met with him regularly. Mm -hmm. And they rewrote the libretto, which are the words, to the cantata. Mm -hmm. And she changed her most famous poem. She, she agreed and she authoroughly approved this variant text so that 
all of the erotic and sexual suggestiveness mm-hmm. is taken out. It's no longer fruit forbidden that leads to undoing and ruin. Mm-hmm. All these code words oh. for sexual falls, that's all gone. Because now it's being marketed to school children mm-hmm. who would sing it in concert. And I mean, it, it, this is the Victorian period and no no Victorian adolescent <laughs> is going to want to be singing in public <laughs> about sexuality and sexual falls and so, and I, I really, I honestly, I honestly believe Goblin Market's her most important and most famous poem. And she created a variant text and approved it. And it's, it's right on the title page of the score, you know, that, that mm-hmm. the author has approved it. And, and I think that's, that's an interesting development, you know, and, you know, and, and I know that you are interested in researching inter-art aspects for Rossetti's poems. And a lot of the settings of Goblin Market incorporate more than just music. There's visual elements, there's mm-hmm. dance, there's ballet, there's yeah. drama. You know, I mean, it was it was a big hit off-Broadway as written by Polly yeah. Pan and mm-hmm. Harmon, you know? And, and each of these settings often update the poem in fascinating ways. Like um, Goblin Market, the musical off off Broadway, adds a post Freudian element. So it's now no longer just the subconscious of these young girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're now adults looking back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so it's it, it's very different. I love Aaron J. Kernis's, um version of it, and he's a very sophisticated composer, and he. He precisely rhythmically annotates every word in the poem. And mm-hmm. and this is this is more precise than just writing out the poem because you know he has, you know, it's divided into dotted notes and and triplets and all kinds of different musical notations. And I think that's fascinating. Um Kath Berlinson, who is a former Christina Rossetti scholar and an English professor has yep. written a little libretto for a musical of Goblin Market. And that's yeah, we, we have the opportunity to interview her for the oh, podcast. She's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. She was in Desperate Romantics. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> In-Comedy series. Yeah. About the, the pre-Raphaelites. <laughs> now I just I, I find it great that the pre-Raphaelites are are getting cultural traction, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they have a visibility and people are interested in them. Yeah. And that's nice to see. Yeah. Um, there's also, there's, there's an adult themed circus version of Goblin Market done by the Dust Palace from New Zealand. And they traveled to Canada and my husband and I went to see them in Montreal. And it's fascinating, you know, to see that Goblin Market has been transformed in so many different ways and it's been it's been used in puppetry and in all kinds of different things. And of course, Lorraine Jansen Koistras, a friend of mine, and we've worked together before. And I was aware of her exploration of Christina Rossetti and illustration. And and what's fascinating is that the musical um, adaptations started before the illustrated ones. I mean. Goblin Market was always an illustrated poem. It was first published with Dante Gabriel Rossetti's illustrations. But, you know, her 
Lorraine's book, Christina Rossetti and Illustration is fascinating. And it shows all the ways the poem is reinterpreted in, in, mm. in different illustrated presentations. And that's the big thing about music is that you think that the poem is just still the poem, but the musical gestures change the meaning of the poem mm -hmm. constantly, yeah. you know? And 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 it's it's hard to talk about music because it's kind of an abstract art form, mm -hmm. but sometimes you hear things in it and you realize, oh, so when Emmanuel Aguilar writes this descending pattern on the piano as Laura clips a golden lock, mm -hmm. you realize he is musically communicating the imminent fall, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm fascinated by the musical gestures and what they communicate in, mm -hmm. the, in these musical settings. Um, and, you know, and, and poems like A Birthday, My Heart is Like a Singing Bird, yeah. you know, they've been set as love songs. Mm -hmm. But it's also been set as a hymn in the and sung in Westminster Cathedral. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's been set as a feminist anthem, mm -hmm. and so and so the poem gets adapted to for to different um, meanings depending on the style of music that it is set to, and that's just so mind blowing. Frankly, frankly, yeah. <laughs> you know to have. To have a because Rossetti's poems are simple, and that's partly what attracts composers so much to them. Um, the, the syntax, the vocabulary, the rhythm—it's it's it's all readily accessible. But mm -hmm. then it's not completely transparent. Like I recently gave a paper about who has seen the wind, which is from her collection of nursery rhymes, and it's been set many many times. And who has seen the wind? Neither you nor I, but when the leaves hang trembling, the wind is passing by. I said that wrong, sorry. <laughs> Neither I nor you, <laughs> when the leaves hang trembling, the wind is passing through. Who has seen the wind? Neither you nor I, but when the trees bow down their heads, the wind is passing by. The interesting thing about this is that it really does use the poetics of reserve. It doesn't tell us exactly what the wind is, but it seems to be this powerful force that is, it moves the physical world and it creates yeah. some emotional resonance. Leaves hang trembling suggests awe and fear. Mm -hmm. Trees bowing down their heads suggest reverence, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's all very, very fascinating. And, you know, and then, you know, this... Anglo-Indian artist Bishi, you know, records it, and it's it's very very updated. Yoko Ono, and John Lennon recorded it as part of their for world peace. Really? I have no idea. <laughs> I know. I mean, how do you get around all these really, really, really fascinating, famous recordings mm -hmm. that Christina Rossetti has gotten a foot into? You know, not through her 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 you know current effort, but just mm -hmm. her poems are really taken up by significant artists, you know, and, and in her own day, you know, Hubert Perry, uh, Gustav Holst, Rafe von Williams, you know, all these really big composers took her up and, and sometimes wrote 
very elaborate collections, you know, whole settings of, of, of say, over 20 poems from one of her volumes. You know, there, she, had, she had a real attraction to musicians. Mm-hmm. And I think that is in itself very, very interesting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because then, why do you think they were so attracted to her poetry? Why has she be, uh, has yeah her poetry been? I think so personally, much? why they adopted. Personally, I think it's because the meaning is so profound, mm-hmm. and yet the words are very simple. You yeah. know. Yeah, as, as you were saying before, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, Dante Gabriel Rossetti has more elaborate syntax and mm-hmm. vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Christina Rossetti's poetry is quite simple, but it reaches right into people. So uh, have I mentioned Bear McCreary yet? He scores The Walking Dead and Outlander. He scored Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. <laughs> Black Sails. You know, he, he's a very, very successful commercial composer. He reads When I Am Dead, My Dearest, and I've got a quote right here. An explosion went off in my brain, and I knew I had to write music for these words. Wow. So, it, it, yeah, it, it touches people <laughs> yeah. and makes them mm-hmm. want to increase the impact of the words by adding mm-hmm. music to them. And, and and you can go on YouTube if you if you Google Bear McCreary and When I'm Dead, My Dearest, you'll find a video of it. And it's really, really good. <laughs> I will. I will definitely look for <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so that's something that our, our team has been doing, going on treasure hunts, basically. So, yeah. you know, you know, we have uh, I will teach seminars on the pre-Raphaelites. And it has a digital humanities component so that, you know, each student is given a setting to search for and Mm -hmm. and try to find the music, try to find videos of it. And I think it's fascinating just to find new material in a field that you've been studying for most of your life. (laughs) Yeah, you know, mm. it, it makes me feel my age a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> it uh it really I I just I just find it exciting to be honest, you know. And and there are films that have Christina Rossetti settings in them. You know, like there was a, a there, there was a mando pop singer named Lo Dayu who set when I'm dead my dearest. And it ends up in uh, a hit movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like wow. <laughs> and it, I mean, in the bleak midwinter appears in so many things. Like in Peaky yeah. Blinders, it is a refrain. Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, bleak, yeah. You know? <laughs> it's we won't it, give it, any spoilers just in case. But yeah, it's wow. really important. Yeah, being, yeah, it 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 really, it really has yeah. it has cultural presence now. Mm-hmm. That's really nice to see. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I really, really do. And uh, you know, in the bleak midwinter has been incorporated in so many different things. I don't know if you know Jacob Collier at all. He's an American singer, very young, mm-hmm. but he sings in microtones, and his harmonies are really, really, really dense and close. And so his version of In the Bleak Midwinter is 
completely novel to my ears because it's it's a new style of music and and i just think wow it's these it's these leaps forward that fascinate me yeah mm -hmm. and goblin market has been reset in depression era united states and i know yeah and it's <laughs> it's fascinating and um Jen Jewell, I think, is the artist who does it. And the bluegrass score is written by Chris Trench. And it's it's worth looking into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, really like that. And uh, I'm so, so thrilled that Christina Rossetti's poem, poems continue to inspire new creativity. Mm -hmm. you know, breakthroughs, really. You know, new ways of seeing them. And... And I think that's great. I really do. Yeah. Yes. Do you have a favorite Christina Rossetti setting? Do you have one that you that you sort of hold dear to your heart? <laughs> um, hard to choose. Uh, I don't know really because I'm focusing on Goblin Market my for my thesis. Yeah, and to me that's just fascinating to what. Well, of course, your project has been. A source of information and <laughs> super important, you. yeah. Source of information for that, but uh, I don't know. It's just seeing, as you were saying, um, the new kind of interpretations. Yeah. What every every single artist gives to this piece of poetry, to the music, how, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yes. And so... the times change, you know. So, yeah. I mean, in this pandemic, my son's a musician and a composer. Mm -hmm. And, oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he, he composed a song uh, to Another Spring that was sung by the choir that he was in. If mm -hmm. I might see Another Spring. You know, we all kind of felt like that at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he's just recently set um, the keynote. Um, and it begins with, oh, roses for the flush of youth. And then ends with, you know, the winter of my life. You know, where are the songs I used to sing? Where are the notes I used to know? <laughs> mm. Where are the songs I used to know? Where are the notes I used to sing? Um, and um, it's it's fascinating that... Rossetti's poems, often she has a reserved meaning, something that she's not mm -hmm. explicitly declaring. Yeah. But you can apply the meaning to a whole new range of things. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of it allows yeah. for this mm. open interpretation. Mm -hmm. The world is marching along and going through new experiences, and and Christina Rossetti's poetry works with a lot of them, mm -hmm. which I find fascinating. You know, it it ex it expands her applicability. Yeah. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. So I you know, I'm honestly I find this project fascinating and, and very rewarding. I I hope mm -hmm. I hope that people, you know, embrace it and start, you know, finding more things, studying more things presenting them at conferences. Yeah. <laughs> That's about the pandemic. That's been hard because I have funding, mm -hmm. but I haven't been able to travel to archives and mm -hmm. through them. Um, that's everything's been kind of slowed down a little bit mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what's yeah. it like in Europe? Are people traveling around in Europe? 
yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. We uh we kind of going back to normal. Yeah, and that's okay. another thing. Yeah, because with conferences and that that kind of thing. Yeah, we are kind of back to in person activities wow. mostly. Yeah, I was on sabbatical for the past twelve months, and mm-hmm. I presented its <laughs> <laughs> conference papers but they were all done on zoom you know yeah. because mm-hmm. it wasn't safe to travel and mm-hmm. you know and 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 frankly the virus is mutating and you know i've gotten mm-hmm. all the shots that i can but it still isn't enough mm-hmm. so we we're and covid's here to stay this is what mm-hmm. i've been told yeah so we're gonna have to make the adjustments that are necessary. Yeah. 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 And do the mm-hmm. right thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all have to do. And and I'm very aware that some people are more at risk than others. And and, and it's it's our responsibility to protect the people who are more at risk as well, you know, by by mm-hmm. doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay, I'm ranting and raving. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I've I've been thinking like for these years without having access to archives and not yeah not having you know kind of the freedom to move to go in, to, to travel to to see things for yourself. How have you been managing to you know with the project mm-hmm. finding more information finding finding i don't know scores or i don't know it was all yeah. through emails trying to contact people exactly that you know i contact composers by email i have mm-hmm. to say composers are great they want their music <laughs> to be heard they want to explain what they did and why mm-hmm. and so the fascinating thing is that i mean we we are sharing sometimes copywritten scores and Composers really want their music to be heard. And yeah. I, I'm so impressed with them. They're they're the most generous artists that I'm aware of, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're lucky that the world is so digitized right now. That, That's true. <laughs> I know. There are many libraries. Like we have, you know, interlibrary loan services. Mm-hmm. And they will scan a score and send it to us. And... And, and I've even had scores that I didn't know about and somebody would contact me from a library because they'd seen our website on the internet. <laughs> oh. Like, you know, like the composer of the national anthem for Iceland, that librarian contacts me and says, he also said, when I'm dead, my dearest, would you like to have that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of thing I'm so impressed with. Yeah. Mm. Um, I just, I kind of feel that this is my first real exposure to open access research. I mean, this is about, this, this research has its greatest impact if we share it with the largest number of people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that's what's happening. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to share this skill set with students because honestly, digital humanities is really a growing field. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at job listings, they all say, you know, experience in digital humanities is desirable. 
It really is. And so it's it's nice to be able to have a genuine project that develops this skill set. Yeah. Mm. And and I'm thrilled about that. Um you know, I mean, you're going to end up in an academic job, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and training students is it's very purposeful, you know. You you yeah. want you want to give them the right skills so that they can they can share their skills with students again. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's uh that good will come of this. And that's a nice thing. I think Christina Rossetti mm-hmm. would approve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the Rossetti family was more musical than we have acknowledged. I mean the father, mm-hmm. you know, wrote opera librettos and stuff like that. And each of the child, the four children are very different from each other. Maria Rossetti played the piano, you know, um, and their friends composed settings. So like Rudyard Kipling's mother set the Bourne, Christina Rossetti's poem. And and Dante Gabriel Rossetti said, I don't think you should put the Bourne in Princess Progress and other poems. And Christina Rossetti says, no, I think I should, <laughs> because it's been set very prettily. <laughs> and and so what this what this makes clear is that music can actually affect the publication and dissemination of a poem. Hmm. And that's that's interesting. William Michael Rossetti was agnostic and he was he he always said I'm not that interested in music. I've never really studied it. And yet in his own home he had a private concert of Scenes from Prometheus Unbound, conducted by its composer, <laughs> Hubert Perry. And there were over 100 people there. You know, so he um, he's, he's being a little self-effacing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, he actually knows more about music than, than, he, than he's letting on. Mm-hmm. So the thing that I noticed is that the really amazing scholarly resources we have, you know, Jan Marsh's biographies, um, Anthony Harrison's editions of the letters, neither Mm. of these have index entries for musical settings. Mm. So, and and it's in part because, you know, when I went to the Angeli Dennis collection at UBC, I've been through um, William Michael Rossetti's diaries, and he does not really emphasize music as much as he could. You know, he kind of, yeah. he, he lets it kind of fade into the background and he's, and he doesn't, he doesn't really foreground it as much. Um, I think there's room for more of that to happen. I think there's more yeah. in the primary mm-hmm. record than we have yet put into the scholarly mm-hmm. record. And I'd love to see that happen. Maybe you're the one to do it. <laughs> yeah, right. Who knows? <laughs> one of our listeners, one of the yeah, <laughs> no, I think the book is yeah, it is. Yeah. It's it, it's exciting to be working in a field where there's so much opportunity. Yeah, it's so good. and there really is. Mm-hmm. William I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of William Michael Rossetti. I we wouldn't we would not have this study of pre-Raphaelitism without his diligence. He was a real mm-hmm. record keeper. You know, yeah. <laughs> he really, really, he really worked hard at this and he promoted mm-hmm. his siblings and everything. And, but he, he, he freely acknowledges in his diaries, you know, I've never really, you know, 
learn much about music. You know, as far as my opinion can be taken, you know, it's like he, he he's very self-effacing. But in fact, he he knew more about music than than is generally recognized. I mean, they went to operas all the time, you know. And and I think about one of the other things that I stumbled upon in doing this research um, was Francis Hoofer, his brother-in-law, um, yeah. Ford Maddox Brown's at homes held bi-weekly over about eight-year period, and there's songs added constantly. The Omarzil sings at it, Hoofer's there, you know. And I mean, Hoofer really was an early, early and vocal proponent of the English musical Renaissance. And that changed the musical world in England. And Christina Rossetti was one of those poets who got swept up in it. Um, she Her music was carried forward and into much more sophisticated settings as a result of the English musical Renaissance. We all know that parlor ballads were very successful in the Victorian period, but art song was really the, the breakout, mm -hmm. the, the, the next level. And, uh, and Christina Rossetti's work gets incorporated in, into art song. And, and it really, I mean, they're still sung on the concert stage today, you know, and, mm. and I think it's, it's, it's wonderful to see that, you know. Um, I mean, the, the the National Arts Center. My son sang Rayvon Williams' "Silent Noon" by Dante Gabriel Rossetti <laughs> at General's Literary Awards. <laughs> you know, so it's um, these songs are they're important songs, and and that's really nice to see. So this is not a kind of fringe body of material. It's <laughs> it's significant material, and yet. We've kind of let it sit under the radar for a long time. And I think it's time to really look at it closely. Yeah, so I'm I'm keen to do that. Um, but I'm near the end of my career, so you're going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be, yeah, we'd be happy to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I want to see my students do it, too. I think yeah, it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity here. There, it is exciting. Find the whole conversation just fascinating, to oh, be good. honest. Like, I have here, like, a list of questions, but I'm not even looking at it because we just took it and it's, it's perfect yeah. the way it is. <laughs> it's going. Well, it, uh, it's a fascinating topic. And it is. It, it really is a joy to explore. And mm -hmm. one thing I want to say in this podcast yeah. that will be yeah. cheers that I'm not aware of, <laughs> if you are near a collection and come upon a setting that we do not have in the Christina Rossetti and Music Archive, please contact us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that goes for all our listeners. Please do that. Please <laughs> do, do that. Because yeah. we want we want we want to create an archive that everybody in the world can use. Yeah. To have mm -hmm. it be as complete as possible. Mm -hmm. So and and anybody who does this, you will be credited on the website. We will mm -hmm. show that you found this, located it, and shared it. And that's that's what scholarly activity ideally should be like. Should be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully this helps somehow because, wow, we, we have listeners from all over the world, it seems. Yes. So, yeah, that would be... It would be fascinating if one of the listeners just dropped you 
drops an email to tell you, hey, I have here a score, or I know about this musical setting. That would be great. <laughs> that would be wonderful. And it will it will advance this research. It's mm-hmm. it's a kind and generous thing to do. So I hope yeah. if you come upon anything, you will do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> And I will be very grateful. <laughs> and other users will be very, very grateful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what we're all, I mean, let's face it, none of us went into academia to make money. No, who would have chosen <laughs> something else? So we, we just, we want to advance knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our goal. So mm-hmm. please help us out. <laughs> yeah. Esther, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. <laughs> this is my been... pleasure to be honest. It's just so <laughs> yeah. wonderful to talk to you because yeah, I've been reading so much about your project. I've been wow. yeah, your website, as I said, is such a wonderful source of information because it's like wow. it's precisely during the yeah, during the pandemic and lockdown when you couldn't yeah go out or anything. It was great to find so much information. That's you know, and, and I think I think we have to be open and share with people. That's, mm-hmm. that's how knowledge grows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so many of the people who are, who have touched on this project, like Carl mm-hmm. Merrick, I mean he Yeah, he, you know, he's a musician <laughs> and and he and he 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 did perform a little bit mm-hmm. on I think it was Jada Watson who organized that one. I'm not sure. Um, but there's, mm-hmm. there's so much exciting stuff that's revealed through this research. And I hope somebody, you know, is motivated to write a new setting because of this and then send yeah, it to your archive and we will promote it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I don't know, but like, have you, did you know just... How many did you say that you have found so far? How many musical sessions? Two thousand. Two thousand already. That's wow. a lot. Yeah, and <laughs> only fifteen hundred of them are published on our website. Mm-hmm. So we still have more at the back end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just know there's a lot more out there that we have yeah, not sure. found or cataloged. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just it's so exciting to see such a, a great big body of research. Um, taking shape and Mm -hmm. and there are digital humanities tools that allow us to do data-driven research like Shafi which would allow us to create networks that show what people and what locations and what texts connect with and I think that's fascinating yeah Mm -hmm. there's this we're, we're really only at the at the opening steps of this research there's a lot to be done there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as so I was saying before, like maybe we in a few months we have to do a catch-up episode to see how it's going, what new exciting findings you have and everything. Because yeah, I would love to do that. And that would motivate me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for for offering this platform because you know I wasn't even aware that you were doing these podcasts until, you know, you reached out to me and I thought, yes, <laughs> great. This is, this is great. The world is getting smaller every day, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, wait, well, uh, just 
maybe to find things like you were saying 2000 musical sessions which is mind-blowing have yeah. you found that they are they cover like if many different musical styles different genres so yeah um there's variety so like you know some of her poems mm-hmm. are very very popular when i'm dead my dearest a birthday yeah like mm-hmm. that yeah one of the things that's interesting about Rossetti is that she often gives her poems a title that suggests music. Think about all the mm-hmm. poems that are called song, things that are called yeah. hymn or a yeah. ballad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so she is, I think, and, and she wrote in her letters to her publisher, the more of my works that get set to music, the happier I am. She mm-hmm. She recognizes the value of this. And I think that's really great. Yeah. There's a lot of a whole range of things, you know, mm-hmm. there's devotional works, romantic things. Yeah. I've recently written an article about the poetess tradition because parlor ballads very often set poems that set very comfortably within the poetess tradition. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fascinating. Um, you know, and Rossetti's a sophisticated poet. And it was only when female composers became more sophisticated that they started taking up her more sophisticated poems like yeah. Momentata and stuff like that. You know, because the 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 early brief lyrics are I don't want to say they're simple, but they're not they're not challenging in the, in the way mm-hmm. that Mona Inominata is, you know, which brings in the troubadours, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Petrarch, Dante, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you, you need sort of deep awareness of literary traditions to really understand those works. But then there are other works that are just more straightforward. Yeah. And and yet they're very, very subtle. And because Rossetti hides her meanings very often. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. you know, she doesn't, she doesn't explicitly declare them. And, and that makes... That makes these works so much more interesting to return to because you, I, I often find I find a new meaning that I didn't see before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to see. Yeah. So it's uh, I, I've really enjoyed this project. I mean, I've I've loved Christina Rossetti's poetry for a long, long time. And I wasn't expecting in the final stages of my career to come into a whole new range of materials yeah. that I hadn't seen before. And I've really enjoyed mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep at it. <laughs> yeah, of course, you should. Please do. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think there's, there's more to be found and more mm-hmm. to be, yeah. So please do get in touch with me when you want to do uh, a follow-up. On, yes, on the project. We definitely do. We definitely do. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Thank I, think, you. I think it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll look mm-hmm. forward to it. Yeah, maybe we can have a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to celebrate the second. That'd be nice. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this. Thank I, you. I want to reach a wider audience because yeah. this project can grow. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully this will yeah, have to do that too. Yeah, because... As I said, it's a fascinating project and it was, yeah, I was really kind of like interest, interested myself in, you know, in getting 
people to know about this project because I think it's very important. Yeah. yeah so it's a way Thank to reach for... out to people. <laughs> Thank you for embracing it because it makes all the difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think reaching a larger audience is the best thing we can do. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what's your musical background? I'm curious. Oh, well, myself, uh, I studied um, at music school for around seven years, maybe. I played mm -hmm. the violin, yeah, and a little bit of piano, but just a tiny bit. And, and yeah, uh, well, unfortunately, I had to to kind of put an end to it because, yeah, I was... I was hoping to get into university, so too much work. And here in Spain, yeah, the kind of the system, yeah, that didn't work, that didn't work really, really well to have both things at the same time. So I decided yeah. to to go to university um, and kind of have it as a hobby. <laughs> so, so, so. You're bringing it time, together now. But you know, now, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, my PhD project gave me the opportunity to bring everything back together. So, all my passions, because again, it's also visual art and I love art. I have studied history of art. So, it's kind of like, yeah, bringing everything together. And, you know, I love I, it. <laughs> as a mother, what I've said to my kids is follow your passion. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we should all do, you know. Mm -hmm. I come from mm -hmm. a family of scientists, but I loved poetry. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much again, Mary, for this fascinating um talk. Mm -hmm. And best of luck with this this project because yeah, we wish you the very, very best because uh yeah. I hope, I hope we, we find other wonderful materials and yeah, hopefully, yeah. To say about them. You know, it's it's worth doing, and mm -hmm. it's a nice feeling to have about the research. Really, yeah. And best of luck with yours. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, fire me an email whenever you publish something, so I can take a look at it. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for asking me. I I really feel honored, and. And I'm delighted to let more people know about this research. It's mm. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So take care, stay safe, stay well. <laughs> yeah, you too. Again, thank, thank you very much. And thank you everyone for tuning in today with us. And, and if you would like to find more information about this fascinating project again Christina Rossetti in music project we will uh, give you the link in the description and mm -hmm. also the twitter account so that you can follow them there <laughs> and Wonderful. yeah and have yeah all the updates on this project and if you have any corrections or additions please share them with us we yes. we want we want to help <laughs> us grow and be better <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Esther. Okay. You've been great. Mm -hmm.